All right. Well, good morning. How many of you guys are thankful for this place? Is it anybody other than me thankful for this place? Yes. Incredibly thankful for this place. So glad to have each and every one of you with us this morning. My name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. I've got to meet several guests that have walked in this morning, so I don't know what brought you our direction, but thanks for accepting the invitation or just giving it a shot. And so thanks for being here and thanks for checking this place out. Let me share something really quick that happened last service. Uh, Let me back up really quick. About 12 years ago, I used to be a teacher, probably something that many of you didn't know about me. And so I was a teacher at a Christian school back in Kentucky. And this morning, a student that I had 12 years ago in Kentucky actually joined our service during our 9.30 a.m. service time. And I I just had to take it upon myself to mess with him a little bit. So uh, I I said what I just told you. And then I said, Kate, would you just get up here and share a few things really quick? And he freaked out. And so I'm like, no, I'm just kidding, man. I'm not going to make you do that. And so if you are a guest with us today, don't worry. We're not going to be that church that says, hey, why don't you stand up and just tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, what's your, what's your worst sin? And we're not going to do that. So, <clears throat> but we are glad you're here. Uh, so let me begin here. Guys, a few weeks ago, uh, we kicked off this series called Steps. And we did so by looking at a really practical, really practical statement, something that made sense to all of us but if we're honest, we probably didn't pay as much, much attention to it as maybe we should. It was this statement. We're all taking steps towards something. All of us. It's something we all have in common right now. We're all taking steps towards something. And we determined in that particular message that it's the steps that we take toward Jesus that prepare us for even greater purposes. The following week, I got up here and I talked to us about a specific step really a step that is necessary that we take for those of us that have opted in to this thing called Christianity, for those of us that have opted in and said, you know what, Jesus, you're gonna, you can own my life. I'm giving you the keys of my life. I want you to be the leader, leader and Lord, Lord of my life. And when we did that, we actually have a natural response that should come on the other end of that like reality in our lives, and, and that is to become a servant to actually serve others. And we looked at two questions. We looked at this question that we sometimes come to in our life. What about me? And this what about me or what's in it for me approach to life and how the better question is actually, what do I do about what's happening around me? And that's what a servant says. That's what a servant does. That's the better question to ask. And we kept coming back to these four words right here. When it comes to a what about me approach to life or what's in this for me approach to life, we kept coming back to these four words that were given to us by Jesus when he was teaching his very own disciples about this what about me approach to life. And he said, if you want to follow me, then not so with you. When it comes to a what about me approach to life, what's in it for me approach to life, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow after me, not so with you. Now, for those of you that signed up to join a team that week, we had like 70 people sign up to join one of our teams here at Trace. I just want to say how thankful I am that you did that. And uh, just so you know, we absolutely adore our volunteers here so much so that this room adjacent to the worship center right over here is going to be dedicated on Sunday morning starting on September 9th, which is our fall kickoff. Make sure you don't miss our fall kickoff. And it's going to be devoted towards volunteers. So when you show up here on Sunday, there's going to be snacks in there for you, some better coffee than what the average folks get out here, and some different things that you can come in here. And what I've been told by our response team, our security team here, if you try to go in that room and you're not a volunteer, you will be tased on the spot. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, and then last week, Corey got up here and did an incredible job, and he talked to us about the importance of preparation when it comes to our faith. And he talked about this spiritual training 
and how we need to prepare. There's different types of things. We call these, if you've been around the church for a while, these spiritual disciplines, this type of spiritual training that prepares us for the path that God has for us. And he came back to this statement several times, and I just think it's something I'd like to revisit. It's not about performance. It's about preparation. When it comes to our pursuit of God, when it comes to wanting to be in the presence of God, it's not about performance. It's not about a list of things that we can check off and say, hey, I've done that, therefore I'm an accomplished Christian. I've done what I'm supposed to do. That's never what God set us out. It's never the path he set out for us. And so instead of approaching our faith as a performance, let me just do these things I think I'm supposed to do, we just need to prepare There's a certain type of spiritual training that comes that prepares us for what it is that God wants for us. And so he kept coming back to this idea that it's not about performance, but it is about preparation. And all of that leads me to today as we conclude this series called Steps. And what I'd like to do today is actually talk to a specific audience. Now listen to me. I understand that by specifically targeting a select group of you, that I'm going to leave others out. And I just need you to know this up front. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Because the people that I'd like to speak to directly today, it's almost like speaking to me 20 years ago. Because the people that I'd like to speak to today, and even if it's not you, you're going to know somebody that would probably fall into this category. Maybe this picture best represents their life. They're just living in ruts. They're living on the other end of making a lot of decisions over and over again and creating rhythms and and bad choices over and over that they've created ruts in their life that they feel stuck in. And even though we've been talking about all these things throughout the last several weeks, and maybe there are even points where you're like, that makes sense. I understand that. But I still don't know how to get out of this. I want to talk to you this morning. And let me begin doing that by attempting to identify and even empathize with where some of you might be at right now. Right now, it's possible that you're incredibly disappointed with where you're at in life. Some of you may go as far as to say, I hate my life. Others may be finding ways to cope with your difficulties and disappointments by using different substances. And what maybe began as, I'll just use it when I really need it, has led to some really unhealthy dependencies. (laughs) It's possible that you've made some bad choices and you've returned to those bad choices so often and those bad choices are now beginning to make you. Before I move any further, this is an opportunity for me to identify with where you're at. None of this is coming through a condemning tone because I can identify with everything that I just said. Because guys, I get it. I really do. I get that sometimes it's easier to pick up a bottle than it is your Bible. Sometimes it might be easier to watch a video or look at some pictures than it is to engage your spouse. Students, sometimes it's easier for you to set aside your purity than it is to fight to protect it. I think we get this. And if anything that I have just said identifies with you, or maybe someone you know that you wish was here right now, can I just tell you up front, one of the biggest reasons why we started this church was for you. A place where you could come and find hope and healing. A place where you could come out of hiding because you can't hide and heal at the same time. But let's also be clear, man, I just want to have a conversation with you guys this morning. The easiest thing that you could do 
is just keep doing what you're already doing. That's obviously the easiest thing you can do. But if you'll do me a favor, I I really want you to write down this statement right here. Because the easiest step in front of us is almost never the wisest. Can I say it again? The easiest step in front of us is almost never the wisest. So here's what I want to do before we move forward today. I want to pray. Because my biggest hope today is that if you do find yourself in a rut... Maybe you've got this area of your life figured out, but there's one path that you keep coming back to. There's something that you keep coming back to, and it's a rut, and you know it's a rut, and it's hard for you to get out of it, whatever you would term that to be. My biggest hope today is that I would give you some kind of insight. It's not really even me. My hope is that God would give you some kind of insight, some kind of illustration, something that would allow you to hang on to hope, to get out of the rut that you feel like is almost impossible to get out of at this point right now in your life. And so before I move on any further, I want to pray for us. We pray with me. Father, God, I, I don't know what the ruts are, but I know they're there. God, I've had them in my own life, and if I'm not careful, I know I can still create them in my own life today. I probably might, I might even be in one. I don't even know it. So God, I pray that through only a way that you know how, that you would begin to meet people in the midst of the rut that they're creating in their life that's caused them to be stuck, that's kept them from being able to take some of the necessary steps that they know they need to take. And so, God, would you meet them exactly where they are at? And by the time we're done today, God, would you make it really clear on what it is you want them to do? I pray this in Christ's name. Everybody said, amen. You know what I wish? I wish this stuff was as easy to do as it is to preach. I really do. Guys, I understand that it's really easy for me to get up here and talk about these things, but I meet with people all the time. And I know that it's not as easy as it it is to live out. It's not as easy to live out as it is to get up here and talk about. A couple weeks ago, actually not a couple weeks ago, this was just this past week, uh, Emily decided to go to bed early, and we had just kind of wrapped up one of those series of binge-watching on Netflix. Uh, yes, even pastors do that. Don't judge me. And so uh, I'm laying on the couch, and I decided I'm going to look for a new show to watch on Netflix. And so I'm looking, and I see this, this show about the Roman Empire. And I love history, and the way that this, this particular series was um, put together was it was going to have real-life historians speaking into the narrative of what was happening as this, you know, kind of Hollywood picture unfolded, and I really liked it. I thought, man, this is really cool, and I love the fact that, because, again, Roman, uh, the Roman Empire took place around the time of Jesus, and so I was, I was tuned in. I'm like, man, this is going to be good. I think I'm going to like this series, and about halfway through it, I realized uh, this is probably not something that I need to watch, as there were a couple half-clothed women that appeared. The easy thing, the easy thing for me to do was to wait until my wife went to bed every night from that point moving forward and just go back and continue to watch a show that I knew was going to continue to have images come up that God didn't really want me to see. But one of the things that I really do want you to know about me is that I made a commitment a long time ago to fight for my wife. And in order to fight for my wife, one of the biggest battles that I think almost all men have to fight is the purity of their mind and their thoughts. And so instead of coming back to that show every night, I got up the next morning and I told Emily, hey, this is something I saw. This is a series that was on and um, just want to let you know uh, I'm not going to be watching that anymore. Guys, one of the things that we've determined 
here at Trace is that we're going to pursue Jesus in life with grit. And if it's worth fighting for, if it's a step worth taking, if it's something that God wants us to pursue, I can almost guarantee you it's going to take some fight. It's going to take some grit on your behalf. This is one of our kind of core value statements. If you go out in our lobby, it says stuff we do, there's four. This is one of them. Because we understand that in order to win the battles that matter the most in our life, it's going to take some grit. So let me come back to this picture right here. Let's be honest this morning. This morning some of us have taken our hands off of the steering wheel. And we're just coasting towards the path of least resistance. And if you're going to get out of this, it's going to take some grit. And some of you, again, if we're honest this morning, which hopefully we, we always are, you're not sure. Like if you were just to put all your cards out on the table, you're not sure if you've got any fight left in you. You walked in here this morning, you've been living in the wrong direction for so long. You've been living in the wrong direction for so long that you're not sure how to even get out of that routine. You're not sure how to get out of that rhythm. You're not sure how to get out of that rut. But listen to me. Friends, as long as there is an empty grave, which I believe there is, as long as there is an empty grave, there will always be hope. As long as there is an empty grave, there will always be hope. And his name is Jesus. But listen to me, because if we keep going back to the same things we've always done, we can only expect to end up at the same places we always end up. But let me be clear, the problem is not you, right? Jesus is not approaching you right now, and hopefully something is stirring inside of you. I guess it's happening with many people in this room right now. Jesus is not approaching you to say, you're the problem. Jesus is saying, no, 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 you're not the problem. I'm not, I'm not here to fix a problem. I'm here to show you a new path. I'm here to show you a new direction, which leads me to our one thing for today, because it's the direction of our lives that will always determine. It's the direction of our lives that will always determine our destination. So friends, if you don't like the destination that you've arrived at today, or if you look ahead into the future, right? I mean, that's one of the best ways to um, kind of predict the future is to look to see where you're headed. If you don't like to where you're at or where you're headed, there's a question that I really want you to wrestle with today. But this question can't have an immediate answer. This question requires you to think a little bit. This question requires you to go home and process and to be honest with your answer because the answer to this question is huge if you want a new direction in life. The answer to this question is essential if you want to start out on a new path. Here's the question. What or who, right now, is guiding the steps of your life, really? What or who is guiding the steps of your life, really. Just because we handed our life over to God, just because we made a decision at some point in our life and we said that we wanted Jesus to be the leader and Lord of our life does not mean he's guiding every step of our lives. I think we get this. Go back to the Apostle Paul, right? I mean, for those of you that are new to the church, there was this guy named Saul that was persecuting Christians. He was actually going after Christians, and he was doing so in what he thought, in the name of God, I'm going to go and I'm going to capture these Christians because they're starting so much chaos. He had several of them stoned, some of them killed, many of them thrown in prison. 
And there was a particular moment in Saul's life before he became Paul when he's headed to this particular city called Damascus. And on this road to Damascus, Jesus shows up. And it says that there was so much brightness to the glory of who Jesus was that Paul fell to the ground and he couldn't even look at Jesus, but immediately he knew who he was. And then there was a moment in Paul's life, and my hope that there's an encounter like this for you, and I don't know if it would be supernatural. I haven't had many of those in my life, but I hope you have an encounter with Jesus that would cause you to ask the same question that Paul asks, this question right here. We see it in Acts chapter 9, verse 6. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do. You see, before his encounter with Jesus, Paul saw Christianity as a threat against Judaism. And so he set out on what he thought was the right path, but he found himself fighting against God himself. Paul realized in this moment he was living in the wrong direction. And once Jesus got his attention, he was able to start a new direction by asking the right question. Lord, What do you, not everybody else around you, not your kids, not your spouse, not this culture, not whatever Hollywood is trying to teach us, not what's happening in your high school or junior high school, no, no, no. What do you want me to do? And the irony to this is in order for Paul to see the answer to this question, in order for Paul to understand what it was that God needed him to see and what it is he wanted him to do, God had to take Paul's eyesight away for three days. Could I ask you to consider this morning that maybe you need to start looking at things differently? Maybe in order for us to get on a new path, to start a new direction in our life, to get ourselves out of the ruts that we've created for ourselves, maybe we have to learn to see differently. Maybe we need to shut our eyes and stop paying attention to everything around us that's causing us to make decisions that are moving us away from God and not towards Him. Because what or who, the answer to this question, what or who is guiding the steps of your life really is the most important question that any of us will answer before we can begin a new path. And let me me just meet you in the midst of something that might be causing some tension inside of you right now. If If the answer to that question isn't Jesus, don't panic. Be honest. Don't panic. You'll hear us say this a lot around here. It's okay to not be okay, but don't live there. Don't live there. And so you have to begin by determining how do I start to tether myself to Jesus in a way to where even if I don't know what my next step is, I know that I, from this point forward, as I get myself out of these ruts, I'm going to answer that question honestly by saying, Jesus is going to be the only one who is guiding my steps. About 17 years ago, uh, I set out on my first mountaineering experience. And so here's a picture of me. Yes, I used to dye my hair blonde. Don't judge me. This is a safe place, okay? (laughs) I used to dye my hair blonde, and this is a friend of mine named Shane. And we were headed to this mountain back here called Gannett Peak. Anybody ever been to Gannett Peak in Wyoming? It's the highest peak in Wyoming on the Tetons. And we were going to summit this mountain. And this was a huge mountaineering experience. I'd never done anything like this. Pretty outdoors guy, but I'd never done anything like this. It was going to take 20 miles to um, cross-country ski just to get to the mountain. Uh, This is going to be a 10-day mountaineering experience. And then we were going to have to climb some glaciers, cross some crevasses and crevasses, whatever, however you say that. 
And uh, it was going to be a big deal. It was going to be a big deal. Something you should probably know is Shane was an atheist. The guy taking a picture, the picture of us, he was our guide. He was an agnostic, which means he really just didn't believe in anything. You know what that means? A lack of prayer support. That's what that means for this trip. And so we get about four days in, and we're probably about 13,000 feet. And all of a sudden, a storm comes, and it is a bad storm. And to give you an idea of how bad this storm was, uh, we had a tent that was probably about six feet wide, and we had to get in, and we had to put our back against one side of the tent, and the three of us put our feet in the air, and this six-foot tent had been reduced to about two feet because the wind was trying to collapse it. And I've got my friend who was the only, not the guy here, but the guy taking the picture, he, was, he had been to Gannett Peak before. He knew the area fairly well. He was a decent mountaineer, and uh, so he knew some things to do. And he's sitting there yelling out different instructions like, we may have to get out and build a snow cave and all this. And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? I mean, I'm freaking out. I don't have any idea what to expect. We make it through the night, and we get up the next morning, and it's still, the storm is still right on top of us. And he says, hey, I think the wise thing to do is we need to get off this mountain. Now, the decision was easy. Getting off the mountain was still going to be a feat in, in and of itself. And so uh, we were in what, we, what many of you have heard termed as a whiteout. And a whiteout means it's snowing so hard that you can't even see the sky. Everything around you is white. We can't see any mountains. We can't see any trees. And so it's almost like closing your eyes and everything around you is black. But when you open your eyes, everything around you is white. And they say this can really mess with your mind, and it did. And so the only thing that he knew to, knew to do was to tie a rope from himself to Shane and then from Shane until me because he knew how to get us off that mountain by using this little thing called a compass. And he knew the exact path that we needed to go to stay away from the dangers all around us, the crevasses that we were going to pass over, the different you know, possibilities of coming up to a cliff edge. And so all I knew to do was hold on to that rope and follow my guide. Friends, what do we do? Let's just have an honest dialogue this morning. What do we do when what the scriptures say is not what we see? What do we do when we hit a spiritual wall? What do we do when we want to believe that God is good because our life is not? What do we do when everything in us wants to discover more about what God has for our lives, but we still have this big chunk of doubt over here. What do we do? First thing I want to tell you is that just because Jesus feels silent sometimes doesn't mean he's absent. And if that's where you find yourself today, if part of your rut is a spiritual rut where you just can't feel a connection with God, all I'm asking you to do this morning is just hang on. Because sometimes we don't have the answers. Sometimes it's not clear what our next steps are. Sometimes there's a lot of confusion in what it is that God is doing or not doing in our lives. And so let me remind you that what or who is guiding the steps of your life really will actually determine where your destination becomes. How many of you guys have ever seen one of these right here? Anybody? Yeah? Anybody go to the gym? Yeah, you know, this is like the most hideous piece of cardio equipment known to man. Anybody know who invented these? The devil. The devil invented this. <laughs> I used to be a personal trainer, if you don't know that. I used to put a lot of my clients uh, on these things. Incredible piece of equipment to get you in shape. But 
Sometimes this is what life feels like, doesn't it? Just rotating steps. Never really getting anywhere. I get it. Here's an illustration that I hope that God just kind of imprints in your head. Sometimes, and I know this because I've been there, sometimes there are things that God can only teach you down here in the rut. And maybe, I don't know this, but maybe God hasn't helped you to take that next step yet because you haven't given him access to your life to show you what he can only show you down here. I've been down here. And if I didn't give God access to my life to teach me what I needed him to teach me, and I was stubborn, it took a while. If I didn't give him access to my life to teach me what only he could teach me down here, and you've heard me say this before, don't let a good hard season go to waste. Because it's going to give God access to your life that he didn't have until that hard season existed. But this is still a little bit different. Maybe this rut was created by you. God can teach you things here that he can't teach you here. And God can teach you things here that he can't teach you here. And sometimes we get up here and we think we're smooth sailing. We think we've arrived. And God has to remind us by taking us down here that we're not depending on him that we're not holding on to him, that we're holding on to other things that are leading us in the wrong direction, creating ruts for our lives that cause us to get stuck, and then we don't know where we're going. Friends, for those of you that feel like you're down here right now, give God access to your life here and understand that there's something he can teach you here and only here that's going to better prepare you for here. And then there are things that he's going to be able to teach you here that's going to better prepare you for here and so on and so forth. It won't be like a perpetual state of stairs that leads you to nowhere. God doesn't operate that way. But give him access here first. Let me close by reading to you a passage, and it's at the end of Matthew chapter 7. For those of you that are familiar with the Bible, uh, you can open there if you want to right now. If you have your Bibles, turn them on or turn them open. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, 7, beginning in verse 24. And this is the end of what's called the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon that Jesus ever gave. And one of the things I can tell you as a pastor is pay attention to how pastors or preachers in their sermons because there's a point that they really want to make, just like I'm about to do for you right now. And one of the things that I want you to know about this particular passage is the number one passage of Scripture that I use when I'm coaching people about how to get out of the ruts of their life. It's the number one passage that I go to to encourage people to start moving in the direction of wisdom and away from foolishness. But what I'm about to tell you right now is something that I have never taken the time to consider until this week when I was studying for this sermon. Let's read it together and then I'll show you. Verse 24 Jesus says this, after he gets done teaching all of these incredible things, he says, anyone who listens to my teaching and then follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it was built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. You know what God showed me this week? The foolish man didn't die. And one of the things I've learned about life and about watching how God uses people's lives, if you're not dead, God's not done. 
If you're not dead, God's not done. And so what I think is that this foolish man now has the opportunity. It's up to him to understand, man, I have been foolish. I have not been holding on to Jesus. I've been foolish. And I've gotten to see other people build their houses on rocks. And I've seen how their houses have been able to navigate the storms of this life. And so instead, this time, I'm going to build with experienced wisdom because I've done the foolish thing. But this time, I'm going to have a new plan, and I'm going to have a new path. But we all get this. You can't rebuild a house overnight. So if you've been living in ruts, don't expect this to change all tomorrow. We get this. That would be foolish to think that way. But you can start with a new plan today. You can set out on a new path today. You can start pursuing a different direction today. And so let me wrap up by just coming back to a couple things we've already discussed. Let God teach you what only he can teach you here so that you can be better prepared for what this looks like. Answer the question honestly. What or who is guiding the steps of your life today? Really? And if it's not Jesus, man, if you want to sit down, I'd love to process that with you. We want to come alongside of you and help you to figure out how can we make it Jesus? How can we make it the only thing that you're holding on to that's going to guide you forward when you can't see anything else around you like a whiteout is Jesus. Let's start there. And remember, your direction will always determine your destination. Let me pray for us. Father, I think all of us could probably agree that at some point in our lives we have set out in the wrong direction. I think all of us could agree that sometimes we've held on to the wrong things that have guided our lives, and it's guided us in the wrong direction. And maybe we've held on to it for so long that it began to create ruts that we, don't na- we now don't really know how to get out of. But Lord, when it doesn't make sense, and when we're wrestling with you with our own doubts and with our own frustrations and our, the ambiguity of what the next step looks like, God, would you just remind us to hold on to Jesus And Lord, remind us that there's something that you can teach us now in the rut that you can't teach us when we get out of it. And so maybe we haven't been able to make that step out of the rut and create that new path because we haven't given you the the right amount of access to our lives now so that you can show us what only you can show us now. Father, I pray that you move throughout this room and begin to penetrate the hearts of every single person in here. Because sometimes we dismiss the ruts. Sometimes we overlook the ruts that we're creating because we have a big chunk of our life figured out. Maybe it's healthy over here, but there's one rut that we keep, that path we keep going back to, that one thing that's keeping us from being able to take another step in your direction. God, just reveal that to us in a supernatural way if you need to. Can we have an encounter with you this morning? I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.